West Virginia heads down to Norman with an enormous opportunity this weekend in front of them as there are Big 12 championship game implications and we are actually serious about those implications on the second weekend in November. We have the Oklahoma Preview Podcast as well as a little bit of basketball talk on this episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Patrick Renau, back with you today with another episode. Yes, we know it has been a hot minute since we've done one of these. Between traveling, school, Wi-Fi issues, all of the above, we just have not had the time or willpower or material of technology, technology technological materials i'll say i guess to uh record so but we're back i think it's been three weeks which is a little rough i we do apologize uh for those who do listen we do appreciate it and all seriousness so let's get into it west virginia oklahoma two teams that are in two different places you could say but they're also in the same place at the same time let me explain oklahoma lost two straight Two close losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State in Bedlam a week ago. Had chances to win both, and then the Mountaineers are looking for their third straight win after they just played the best game of the Neil Brown era against BYU. But at the same time, there are Big 12 title implications. The loser of this game, uh, basically it's said and done that they are eliminated from going to Dallas. The winner keeps hope alive with two weeks to go, and... If you can somehow pull this one off for West Virginia, you've got two games you'll be favored in to head and finish this month. So while it sucks that you could say and look back in hindsight's 2020, oh, this team could be a one-loss team heading into Norman and be ranked, and it would be one of the better games of the week, you can't. And so here we are, but everything's still technically in front of them. They got to win out, and they're 1-0 in the month of November. That's what they keep saying. And now they get a trip to Norman. So just your overall thoughts on where this football team's at, Patrick, since we last talked and just your overall expectations for this weekend's trip to OU. Um, I thought after the Oklahoma State game, I thought this was going to kind of be the start of the spiral that Neil Brown's West Virginia teams have sort of gone down the path of in recent years where you see a little bit of optimism at the start. You get the FCS win, get a couple conference wins, and then just slowly you see it start to unravel, start to wind down. That's the point where I thought this team was at. And then they went into UCF, not the easiest road environment in the world, and dominated UCF with four turnovers. And then you go into BYU, and then you beat them by 30 and have them shut out for majority of the game where, in my opinion, those are probably two of the best football games we've seen from West Virginia with Neil Brown at the head coach. Yeah, I think you can say for UCF, completeness in terms of turnovers, right? They The yards was still there for UCF, but on defense, you got the turnovers, whether it was a kicked ball in the air or not, right? So <laughs> that's that's helpful obviously but then you, you you're right this past weekend's BYU it was a start to finish we know we're the better team and we're going to prove it we're not going to 
even give you a glance of hope. I thought that second drive really there controlled the game where you go sub two minutes, you go 55 yards down the field, and you just go bang, bang, bang. You're not playing with us tonight. We're not on the same level. And then, obviously, you get a break there, I think, with that hold out, out to start the second half. Uh, Aubrey Burks, great play but to set up points right before the half. So kind of two game-altering plays there, if you want to say it like that. That's a 10-point swing at least, maybe a 14-point swing, if we're being honest with ourselves. So that helps. But now's the big challenge, right? So if you want to look at where teams are that West Virginia has played, they've beaten everyone they should beat this year on their schedule, I would say. Their three tough games have been Penn State, Oklahoma State, and now Oklahoma. Penn State, week one, I'd say if they played them tomorrow, it would be a pretty close game. I wouldn't say West Virginia would win, but I think the Mountaineers have gotten better, specifically on offense since then. Mm -hmm. And Oklahoma State, right? They were right with them in the fourth quarter. So now to me, it's like, are you going to be able to go do it again against a good team? Because we've seen you do it against the middle of the pack, bottom half of the Big 12, but now can you do it against one of these teams that are in the top tier of the Big 12? And that's the big thing for me. Yeah, it's they've proven themselves in games you want to see them kind of prove themselves in. Um, the TCU game back at the start of the season, that first row game at in the conference was a real swing. You went in there with Garrett Green and you did what you had to do and then kind of went on that little skid where that's one play we're going to look back at from for the entire season, for the entire year. Oklahoma State, you're with them and then they just kind of get away from you. You can't stop the run. You can't stop Ollie Gordon. But then you've got the UCF and you've got the BYU game. But now you've got a real test in Oklahoma where it's a team that's put up points. It's a team that's allowed points. And they're kind of at that point, West Virginia was at three weeks ago coming off the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, let's let's give a rundown of Oklahoma here. Sooners, 7-2 and two on the year. Reeled off seven straight wins to start the year. Let's just give some scores here. SMU week two, they won 28 to 11. And then as far as big 12 scores go, they beat Cincinnati 20 to six, Iowa state 50 to 20, Texas 34, 30, where they had a late drive to win it. UCF, they escaped at home 31, 29, Kansas, they lost 38 to 33. And then Oklahoma state 24 to 27. So if you're just going by the box score, right? If we're just looking and glancing at these numbers, there's games and there's one possession, two possession games against teams that are not the highest level of team, right? Let's go back to that UCF game. UCF was a two point conversion away from tying it in Norman. And then let's go back to Cincinnati while that game was at UC. Oklahoma only put up 20 points and they won by two touchdowns. So there's ways, there's avenues, there's paths to certainly being competitive. That's what we've seen. And there's paths to beating this team. They're not unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination, but they are a good team and you have to respect it. Looking at the numbers, Oklahoma's offense, obviously really good. Dylan Gabriel, he was in the Heisman conversation for a little bit, probably with the two losses. He's out of it now. But offense, Oklahoma, this is going to be Big 12 ranks, and some of them are going to be national ranks too. First in the Big 12 in points per game, eighth in the country with 40. Rushing offense is eighth in the Big 12, so 
They don't want to run the ball as much as they want to throw the ball, but we know that too. Passing offense, first in the Big 12, 10th nationally. Yards per game, first in the Big 12, 7th nationally. First downs, first in the Big 12, 4th nationally. So those are a lot of really good stats. And then on third down, they're fourth in the Big 12, converting 47% of the time, fourth down 64% of the time. Flip it over to the other side. Defense, as you said, they're beatable. That's where you can beat them. They've given up points. They're third in the Big 12 in scoring defense, allowing 20 points per game. But let's look at some of these teams they face, right? Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. Those aren't teams that are going to go score it on you. And so there's a lot of probably skewed results there. Rushing defense, fourth. Passing defense, 12th. They're allowing 250 almost passing yards per game. That's where the Mountaineers are going to have to beat them, and they know that. So... If you want to get to third down, I think Oklahoma's pretty good at that. They're allowing opponents to just under 29% on third down. But to me, it's like this offense now is on a roll, right? We've seen them mm-hmm. since pretty much the second half of that Houston game. They've been full systems go. They've been as explosive as we've seen in offense here since Will Greer's days. And the numbers back that up. But... I think there's two sides to that coin. One, I don't think they're going to play themselves out of the game just because of the way the offense is playing. I think it's going to be a game because the offense is at that level right now. But at the same time, your defense is still going to have to make plays, yes. And we haven't seen it to a point where the offense is going score for score with anyone, really. And I'm not sure if they can do that because we haven't seen them be put in that position yet. Yeah, it's the closest we've gotten to seeing this team go score for score with anyone was really Houston. And I mean, even then, it wasn't necessarily score for score. You found yourself down at one point at a late point in the game, were able to get two touchdowns and then, you know, see how the game goes from there. But other than that, this team has not gone score for score with anyone. And that's something that does kind of worry me looking at this game. But it's going to be one of the games where you're going to think, okay, hold them to a field goal. That might be the victory there. But yeah, there's going to the be end, a lot of possessions, I think, where Oklahoma's driving. And in your head, you're saying three or less and you win. Three or less, three or less, three or less, three or less. And I think there's going to be some points where OU is not going to get three or less, but I think if you can kind of limit where you do, and you're also going to have to get some timely turnovers, right? Yeah. And I know a couple years ago when they went down there in 2021, you had a couple, you had that interception along the sideline. Like you've had, you, you had your spots and you also were two very minor mistakes away from possibly mm-hmm. winning that game. And I'm not trying to compare team to team because it's like apples and oranges with everything that's involved but i don't think it's that crazy to say that this year's team is better than that year's team for west virginia but there's also an argument that this oklahoma team is better than that oklahoma team but my point is is that you can go into norman and win but you have to do a lot of things right and Mm -hmm. we've seen this team do a lot of things right yes have we seen this team do a lot of things right on the road against a good team? No, because they just haven't played that team yet. So I'm interested to see, and I think we'll know pretty pretty early if West Virginia is here to play or if they're not. Yeah, you're going to have to do a lot of things right. And this is 
this is an Oklahoma team that doesn't necessarily turn the ball over that often. Uh, Dylan Gabriel only has five picks on the year. The team has 12 fumbles. They've recovered half of them, lost half of them. So you're going to – it's going to be that thing that we've gone back to I don't even know how many times at this point after games. You have to catch the pick. West Virginia cannot come out of this game looking at, uh, well, that probably should have been a pick. That probably should have been a pick. There, there cannot be the dropped interceptions that there have been like this team has had this year. And on that point too, though, Garrett's got to continue to take care of the ball, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's been successful because he's been smart with his decision-making. That's also has to continue this week. And I think it's going to be not a challenge to run the ball just because you've ran the ball so well, if you're West Virginia, but at some point you're going to have to throw it a little more and you're going to have to throw it a little more successfully than you are just because mm -hmm. teams are going to start realizing that this is this is the way to beat you if you're the Mountaineers. And so we saw Garrett miss a couple throws early. He's got like he's got to start figuring out how to slow some of these balls down. I think Garrett's a great competitor and he's he's learning how to be a really good quarterback potentially, but there's some of these throws that he's really not giving his receivers a chance cuz he's throwing it 105 miles an hour from eight and a half yards away. So he's got to kind of have that feel, but I think, and I agree with Neil on this is that he's consistently said six gives us a chance and he does. He really does. He's a great athlete who is a elite competitor and he wants to win so badly, but I think sometimes with everyone, not just him, that competitive nature can get the best of you. Yeah. It's, with Garrett, if Garrett is inside the five, I it doesn't matter how many Oklahoma defenders are in front of him. He is going to try and find a way to get that ball across the plane, and we've seen that all season. Um, but he's going to have to take care of the football, and he's going to have to hit those receivers. Um, and then I'd like to see him, if he's got the chance, take off scramble get the extra yards if you can if nothing's open don't try and force something just take those yards that are in front of you yeah but... that's something that i think has changed a little bit he's scrambled less as the season's gone on but at the mm -hmm. same time there's been more designed quarterback runs i feel and so i think the numbers are kind of balancing out but you saw against penn state right when he there's a couple times he scrambled, I know, on like a third down and nine. He went to one side of the field, one sideline, all the way to the other, basically. And we just really haven't seen that recently. I think part of that is the defenses you have been facing are not getting after him as much as that Penn State defensive line was. But yeah. you're right. I think Garrett's legs are a huge advantage. And he didn't have to use them against BYU, so I'm not trying to knock him for that. I'm just saying that... He needs to use them more, I think, if West Virginia wants to have a chance to win against Oklahoma. And I think that's what you're saying, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, when the guy has only been sacked four times in nine games, and that's also an advantage with his legs, is he's a hard guy to take down because he's just going to run away from every line that he can and either throw it away, take off, or find the open guy. Like in the UCF game, 
probably two or three times on third down, Garrett takes off and he's got Devin Carter running across the middle of the field wide open for the conversion. So it's going to be things like that, that West Virginia are going to need to win that game on Saturday. And they have a shot. They have a a shot. But let's move on to the West Virginia, Oklahoma talk of this is OU's last game in the Big 12, right? So the underlying storyline this whole season for Oklahoma has been that as soon as we're leaving the Big 12, Neil Brown didn't care. He really said, I don't care who we play. We'll line up against whoever, whatever. But I think this game has some sort of weight to it. You have not won in Norman since 1982. You haven't, you've beaten him once since you joined the Big 12, and that was last year. So I think for West Virginia, if you can kind of get this win, that would be a somewhat big deal for the program. Am I crazy, or do you think I have a point? I think you do have a point because this is this is the most competitive team West Virginia has put on a field since Will Greer's senior year. And even then, the underlying story was, can they beat Oklahoma? And I feel like with West Virginia, that's kind of been the underlying story every year when the good team comes out there is, well, can they beat Oklahoma? And if there's going to be a team to do it, there have been the Will Greer team was probably the closest one to being the ones to do it with Oklahoma at full power compared to last year team last year was not an elite Oklahoma team yep yeah but with an elite Oklahoma team I think they have a really good chance at doing it this year and with the implications that are on the line of the big 12 conference tournament their conference championship but then also what the players have said all week with you know they were still picked to finish 14th coming into this season and they've played with the chip on their shoulder. And so to kind of prove that, prove that, you know, playing with the chip on your shoulder, prove those people wrong that picked them last. I think Saturday is where they want to do it. And I do think they have a realistic shot at it. I I think they do too. I just think that there's so many things that have gone wrong against Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Something might go right. Something might go right. But Let's go back to your point about this team still being in the picture for the Big 12 championship. I think if you had told the both of us that the Mountaineers to possibly get to Dallas, they would just need to win their final three games. And you told us that way back on September 1st or whenever, when they went to Penn State, we would have signed up for that. I Even Mm -hmm. how much it sucks that one of the losses was the way it happened against Houston and you had the lead against Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter. It's just that... You have the opportunity now, if you're the Mountaineers, to go out and still play for something meaningful in November and more meaningful than a bowl game. I think it's huge for the program that they're not fighting for bowl eligibility right now. They've got that. First weekend in mm-hmm. November, and they're bowl eligible. That's awesome. That's seriously, like, seriously, that is awesome. It would be even cooler if you could still live to fight another day with the Big 12 championship game because... We've seen that Will Greer team in 2018. Again, you talk about the Oklahoma Nightmares. Like, that team got close, but we have not seen a team, obviously, since get close. But it would really be a, I think, a statement about where this program has gone to from 19 to now if Mm -hmm. 
when all the talk of you being 14, 14, 14, 14, and you can now still be playing for a title game appearance, that's that shows more about that group and that building than anything else to me, I think. Yeah, and I think that is it would be a huge thing for the program. And that kind of brings me to a question for you. If they do, you know, if this team can pull that off or if they can't and they go eight and four with a bowl win, when is, when have we hit the climb? When are we done having to trust the climb? The climb has been established. Eight wins and a bowl game win. So you're going to get nine in total. Yeah. And your two wins in the regular season are Cincinnati and Baylor. Yeah, if this if this West Virginia team could finish eight and four or if they beat Oklahoma and end up making it, have we Well, I think if they end up making it to Dallas, we're there, right? I yeah, I I don't think there's an argument there at all. I Mm. will say we should wait. I mean, I, 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 I think that this team is good, but there's also that underlying factor of who you've played. But mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, right, like TCU before the year, they were just in the national championship a year ago, right? Texas mm-hmm. Tech, they were one of the – they were considered by many to be a college football playoff sneaky team this year. They were mm-hmm. talked about in the top 25, and that's two teams you beat, right? Penn State, you hung with them for a half, right? And they're still a top 10 team on November 9th. Pitt, down year. You won that game, though, so you took care of business. Houston, not the greatest loss, obviously, but Houston's also started to rack up a couple of Big 12 wins after that, after that game as well. So if you get to eight wins and you get a ninth win in a bowl game, there hasn't been many teams that have gotten to nine wins, right? Like mm-hmm. we haven't seen this upper echelon of almost getting to 10 wins. And so I think if you get to nine, I think it's very comfortable to say that we're, we're pretty freaking close to being where this program should be. Right. And mm-hmm. then next year you're supposed to return Garrett. You're supposed to, you're supposed to return these running backs. Right. So next year, I'm not saying that you have to go beat Penn State because I think Penn State is still a class above you. I think they're just you're not yeah. in their weight class yet. But I think next year is when that's when you really should go compete for a conference title, especially when it's going to be as wide open as it will be when you lose the Texases and you lose the Oklahomas, right? Because yes, you're gaining the Pac-12 schools, but Colorado after that two weeks stretch in the beginning of the year has seemingly gone down and just can't win a football game for the life of them. And Utah's a really good program, yes. Arizona, they're having a great year, yes. So they're more similar to the current Big 12 landscape than they are to the Texases and the Oklahomas. Do I think Colorado can kind of get there because of Dion's recruiting ability and the talent? Yes, but that's a conversation for another day. But my point being is that there's going to be so many opportunities to win games in this league next year that – you have to be able to then go win those as well. And Mm -hmm. there can't be this disconnect where you do it once and you don't do it twice. You have to start showing that that standard is being 
Like it's you're driving that standard forward to where the expectations is starting to be seven, eight wins floor rather than seven, eight win ceiling. Yeah. It's in a perfect world for West Virginia. They make it to Dallas this year and maybe get that automatic bid. Maybe you don't, but you finish as top two team in the conference. A realistic world, you probably you could still do that, but there's a better chance you finish eight and four and you fight for that ninth win in a decently level bowl game, which we haven't seen West Virginia really fight in a bowl game at full power since 2016 because Will Greer didn't play in either bowl game. So it's been seven years since you've seen a West Virginia team really go into a was bowl that, game. Was that, the, was that the the one against uh, – who was it against? The one in Arizona with Skyler Harris? That was that year, right? Yeah, that was the last so. time West Virginia yeah. went to one full power with everyone really. It yeah, and a very I, meaningful I, one. I also think there's other guidelines to look at this question, right? Like they're recruiting well right now and they haven't won a lot mm-hmm. of games. And so they win games, you're more likely to recruit a little bit better. That's just the state of the world. That's just how things work. So NIL yeah. has some something to do with it. But I the biggest thing for me is they've hit on the transfers. They've they've missed on so many transfers in the last few years. BD Bishop's playing mm-hmm. really freaking good. That fourth mm-hmm. down play he made the other night, it was fantastic. Cole Taylor, he's had a couple of lulls and but He's 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 your leading receiver right now. Michael Hayes, he's been yep. freaking nails from back there at the kicker spot. So that's just to name a few. Tommy Wadrojaye, he's been great on that defensive line. He's going to continue to blossom. Like you have so many of these names that you hit on from the transfer portal, and I think mm-hmm. that's also a big deal. And then if you want to look at the youth, right? Let's go offense first. You got Jaheim White, Rodney Gallagher, Traylon Ray. Those guys have been playing. They've been getting snaps. They've been getting serious snaps. Go to the defensive side. Trey Lathan just came on this year. Ben Cutter's there. Like Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah Josiah Trotter is supposed to be there next year. So you've got dudes there that you can start building around. And I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing too, is are you winning with guys on a one-year basis or are you starting to keep it going full time? Yeah, definitely. And that's something that the talk of West Virginia had always been. Neil is a phenomenal recruiter. He knows how to get guys He to West Virginia and he translated to on the field. And this year, Neil has been able to do that, and he's been able to translate it onto the field because there have been games this year where Neil in previous years, I'm not sure if Neil in the last few years wins the game against Texas Tech, wins the game against TCU. Um, You know, those two games really stand out to me as ones where, you know, I don't know if Neil within the last couple years would win that game. But Neil this year, you've really seen that evolution as a coach be able to kind of win those games and hold on to those leads. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. And I think that's something to be said about Neil. And I think he's a good spot real quick before we get out of here, let's do picks and then we'll do a quick basketball segment. So uh, I'll, we got five games here. We'll just start listing them off. Michigan, Penn state. I'm, I am all in on Michigan. I don't care. Yeah. Like I, I think those boys are going to go win a national championship. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know how you can pick against them. Utah-Washington is interesting to me. Washington does not look great, and Utah, I think, is going to have a some sort of bad taste in their mouths after Oregon embarrassed them. I'm going to take Utah on the road 
and Washington? Um, I'm going to go with Washington. I think Michael Penix starts to kind of bounce back. Ole Miss, Georgia. I'm taking Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, that's not hard. Tennessee at Missouri. Missouri's playing really good ball. They got a pretty good offense. Tennessee up and down a little bit this year, but I'll take the home team. I'll take Missouri. I'll take Tennessee. I like, I like what Joe Milton's doing. And then our game, West Virginia, Oklahoma. For me, it falls down to this. I'm not sure if Oklahoma's going to lose three straight, and I'm not sure if they're going to lose three straight and end it here at a night game at home. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but my final score will be Sooners 37, Mountaineers 30. Um, I think I'm also going to have to go Oklahoma just on the sheer fact of I don't see Oklahoma losing three straight really ever. Um, I think it's deja vu. I think it's a game-winning field goal. I think it's 30 to 27 Sooners. Man, that's just brutal for the heart. So let's switch up real quick into a little bit of hoops talk. I know you had a question you wanted to ask me, but just to set the scene, Mountaineers have their second regular season game tomorrow. They showed some serious grit, some serious resolve, as ugly as that first half was against Missouri State on Monday to pull it out there in the second half. You're just trying to tread water until Kerr gets back and hopefully Raekwon if you're lucky and all your prayers are answered. So that's where I'm at this with this team is that you're just trying to you're just trying to get to December. You're trying to get to December without without any bad losses, and then hopefully you can kind of get it figured out by Big Twelve play. Yeah. Um. The question early. I already asked the question. It was the trust the climb one. But. Oh, I thought you had a basketball yeah. question. No, it was the. All trust right. Well, the then climb I have one. a basketball question for you. You ready for this one, Patrick? Okay. <laughs> what do you think is a reasonable expectation for this team this year? Um, it, it's so hard to even just gauge it because everything that could have gone wrong for this team, even after everything that already did go wrong before has still gone wrong with a cook, a cook, Raekwon, Kerr. So, um, after the game, after seeing what that team was able to do with Kerr on the floor against George Mason, kind of got a glimpse. Um, then with that game against Missouri State, good team, still couldn't get shots to fall. Um, I think once you get Kerr back and maybe a cook a cook, and then depending on the waiver, but I'm going to assume the waiver doesn't get cleared. I'm thinking – Probably along the lines of what the prediction was going into the season, preseason poll, eighth, ninth place, you know, do they squeak their way into the tournament like the team last year did? I'm not so sure, but I think eighth, ninth place in the Big 12 is a realistic expectation for this team. Yeah, the Big 12 is still very top heavy. Always has been. However, the depth isn't there when you have more schools, right? So I think that will... That will somewhat hurt the Mountaineers a little bit. Also, I hope a cook gets better. I just don't see a scenario where he returns to the court this year. I just yeah, I just don't. I'm not sure if he ever plays basketball at this level again. It looked serious. It seemed serious. It's a big damn big dang deal. Um that's that's that on him. Raekwon, who freaking knows? I know the kid who left Texas Tech last year, I think Jalen Tyson, he got cleared on his appeal yeah. today. 
So if you're West Virginia, you just got to keep hoping and praying. And then as far as Kerr goes, yeah, you'll get him back. But it's a matter of what can you do before then? Because I don't think their resume is going to be made or broken by what they do after Kerr's back. I think if you start having a couple quad three losses here because you just can't survive without Kerr, that's when you really run into trouble when you're thinking about March. But for me, realistic expectations is if you can make this and if you can somehow make the NCAA tournament, whether that be first four, first round, whatever it is, whatever seed, that's a humongous win. I think with all yep. the transition, with all the turmoil, with all the outside noise that has been surrounding this program, this building, these coaches, these players, everybody, if you can somehow squeak into that NCAA tournament or just and just be there and claim and hang the banner, we, we made it this year, right? That's a win. And I hate it for Josh that there's all these expectations on him when that team is not a right now a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament, right? Like, no. It sucks for him. I trust I like as a person, I think Josh is a great person. I think he's a great leader and I would trust if I had a kid, even though I'm 21 years old, so let's not speak that one to an existence, but I would trust him to coach my kid and I think for this team, if they can buy in and they can be together, maybe they can pull off some wins in the Big 12 and make some magic happen, but right now the talent level in the Big 12 is so high at that top end they're going to have to get some teams on an off night if they're going to want to get the wins that are going to elevate their resume enough to get into March. Yeah, it's the Big 12 has always been competitive like we've seen and it's you know, it's been hard enough in this conference to stay at the top, be at the top when you've got the Kansases, the Texases, the Baylors. Now you throw Houston in there and it's just it's going to be really hard to make your way up in that conference and in the same breath though we are one game in and we have a long ways to go so yeah that will wrap it up on this episode of the Google sports podcast we know we went a little while longer than we usually do but if you did make it this far we really do appreciate you listening i'm wesley shoemaker joined by the one and only patrick now one of us maybe both of us will be back sometime saturday or sunday depending on whatever happens uh in norman on saturday night so 7 p.m eastern fox mountaineer sooners lot at stake and so keep it locked here and on bluegoldsports.com so if you made it this far again we do appreciate you listening and this is the blue gold sports podcast